Hallelujah. Well, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And while you're standing for just a moment, read our scriptures today. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. A lot of good wisdom. You know, a lot of people don't like to read the Old Testament, but, well, there's a lot of instruction in Proverbs. Uh, today, we'll read these verses. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And today we're going to talk about living a blessed life, putting God first, putting God first. So let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word, the instruction and faith it gives. We live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Lord, today let us receive it into good ground so we can bring forth 100-fold. Lord, we love you today and we bless your name. Bless all that's done here in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. One more hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. What a great God. What a great God. You can be seated. Thank you for being in service today and making it to Sunday school. Living a blessed life. Well, everybody wants to live a blessed life. But to some, that if you took a poll on that, it, you would probably get a whole lot of different answers. Just went out on the street or somewhere and said, hey, what does it mean to be a blessed life? I'm sure there would be a lot of people who would say, well, you know, the American dream. I want, want to have a nice house. Uh, I want to have cars. I want to have a family, a uh, good job, you know, good education, you know. Uh, somebody might say, well, world peace, uh, if you're, uh, you know, one of those uh, pageant people, uh, you might world peace. But there's a lot of different views to what it would mean to have a blessed life. But we know that uh, to have the best blessed life, uh, you have got to put God first. If you want to continue our thought for this lesson today, if we want to continue to live a blessed life, then just like the title says, you put God first. You make sure that he is first. The opening of Scripture said, honor the Lord with thy substance. You know, um, substance is what something is made up of. It's, you, you put God first with everything. That's why we, whatever we find to do, we do it with our might. You know, uh, we put our hands to the plow. We don't look back. We we set our face like a flint, you know, uh, my heart is fixed, it's, all, it's stability, I'm made up my mind, I'm not going anywhere else, and, and in doing that, we're saying that I'm going to put God first in everything I do. When you make up your mind to serve the Lord, if God is anywhere but in front of you and first, you haven't really made your mind up. If you're holding on to anything else or if there's something between you and God, you have not really made your mind up. You're thinking about it. You're pondering it. You're trying to say, I'm, well, I'm going to uh, try it out, but we can't serve two masters. We've got to serve uh, one or we won't serve any. And, uh, you know, you can't serve God part-time and then serve uh, the world part-time. It's, it's one or the other. And so... Uh, if I want to be blessed, then I'm going to serve God and put him first. Not a big uh, uh, stretch to find these uh, principles in the scripture. 
You know, even with Egypt or Israel, from the time he got ready to bring them out of Egypt, when he instituted the Passover, uh, can you imagine what it was like to be a child? Because Israel was charged with, you know, telling their children what these things meant. And these feasts that God would set up were reminders for Israel of uh, what God would do when you honored him and put him first or when you were obedient. And I think, could you imagine a child, uh, you know, five, six years old, and, and maybe their dad, their, their mom, they start to teach them. The dad takes the little boy out, and they hey, look at this new little lamb we've got. He's the best. He's the firstborn, and he's the best one. And, you know, kids love, you know, even grown-ups love little lambs and goats and things, but, you know, leading him out and holding him for a day separate. And then maybe watching dad come up and cut his throat. Well, hey, it's the Passover. But, you know, imagine a kid, he's like, he don't understand yet what's going on, but the father would be charged with telling him, said, when we were in Egypt, God came and, and instituted this, and uh, he, he killed all the firstborn males of human and animals in Egypt because Pharaoh would not let us go. But if we took the blood of the lamb and we covered our doors and we ate the Passover, we would be protected. And he had to explain to him what that was. Now, the kid don't get that right, right away, but he knows that somebody is obeying and doing this, and they... It says, and when we did this, we were protected, and it set forth the greatest exodus uh, freedom of a group of slaves that was ever in history because it, it brought them out, and they spoiled the Egyptians and, and went out and went through the Red Sea. We know the story, but God did that so there would always be a reminder that you take the first and the best and you offer it to God, and God's going to protect you He's going to reward you. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of your enemies for you. God's going to make sure you're okay when you put him first. Uh, and so, the, you know, we read uh, in the, the, uh, our Ten Commandments, you know, you, you read right off the bat, Exodus 20 and 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God was always making sure that his people knew there's nothing else that can come before me. And now, I could spend a lot of time right here, and I'll try not to, but when we say gods, you know, we think, well, I don't worship no idols, and I don't have any statues set up or nothing, a grove of trees where I'm burning incense and doing animal sacrifice. So I don't have any other gods besides God. But it doesn't have to be a, a carved idol that you bow down to. It can be whatever you decide is more important than God. You know, I know that you can have church any day of the week. But when the church sets aside a time for people to come and worship, especially, you know, traditionally, especially in the United States, Sunday uh, is the day that churches gather. They call it the Lord's Day and this is the... You know, when they set aside a day like that to worship, you know, if we love the Lord and we serve him, then we should be doing, I understand sickness and jobs and all that, so, so you know I'm not hard on things like that, but what I'm saying is that it, we should be making every effort to be in the house of the Lord. 
because this is a day we have set aside to worship the one who died for us. Uh, we are putting, this day I'm putting you right here. He ought to be first every day, but today, Lord, you know, Monday through Friday or Saturday, I've got to work, you know that. But Sunday, I don't have to work. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to offer up the sacrifice of praise. I'm going to offer up my uh, thanksgiving to you, and I'm going to worship you and thank you for all the benefits and blessings you give me. I'm not going to let uh, that day pass me by without serving you. Again, there's things that happen. Cars break down. People get sick. There's vacation you're out. You know, I understand all that. Uh, I have a hard time understanding and registering sleeping through Sunday. Uh, well, you know, if your alarm didn't go off, I can't, I don't know. But I, I just can't sleep. I couldn't imagine sleeping through church on a Sunday. I could not imagine just saying, nope, I'm not going today. I just, you know, not, not going to do it. Can't imagine that because I want to put God first in my life. I want to make sure that I am honoring him with what I have. You know, we don't have to keep all those sacrifices of feast. We're not asking everybody, hey, it's, you know, you need to bring your lamb this month. You know, because a lot of people, especially around here, be like, nope, I am animal rescue only. I don't, I don't do no killing no animals. So don't, you know, they just, they leave church. We had to do that. They just wouldn't be able to do it. So, so we have the days of the week that we come together and, and so uh, we should try to be uh, and remember, hey, this is my church. This is what we do. And, and so we, we come together to pray on this night of the week, and we come together to study his word on this night. And, and again, when you work jobs, midweek is hard. I understand all these things. But I do know that nothing is impossible. There's just no way I can't get there. Not unless you have a job that starts at that time and you're working through that time, I understand that, but, but you know, just get there because we know our parents and grandparents did it. <laughs> I mean, we did it, and I know we did it. You know, we, we made it on Wednesday with babies. I mean, we did it. And like I said the other night, I said, man, y'all don't even know. I said, we used to get out of church on Wednesdays at 9.30 and go eat, and the kids still went to school the next day. Sleepy. Yeah, they were sleepy and grumpy and everything, but it didn't matter. It's just what they learned to do, you know. They, they, they learned to do that. Of course, they went to school at that age with all their church buddies, so they was all sleepy when they got there. Well, nobody was out of order. But, but the blessings that come with that, uh, it's not just like God saying, hey, you don't get nothing out of this, but I'm going to be number one. Yeah. Uh, the blessings that come along with with serving God and putting him first uh, can't be compared to. And no matter what this world and the widely accepted philosophies are for this world today, putting God first is always the right thing to do. Now, in humanistic cultures, they've always focused on the power of people and the right of every person to pursue happiness, just do what you want to do. Some cultures actually put a high value on self-centeredness and pride, but Scripture teaches us something very different. The Bible implores us to put God first. Hence the scripture, Exodus 23, you'll have no other gods before me. Jesus said when asked in Matthew 22 and 37 and 38, they asked him, what's the great commandment? Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
with all thy soul and with all thy mind. If, now, if you're giving him all of that, then that means nothing else is wedged in between God's first. He said, this is the first and great commandment. So when we do this, we are putting God first. And you're not going to be more blessed than, you know, we talk about you can't outgive God. That's in anything. And if you give God, uh, you know, all you can, you just give him your best. You don't ever think your best makes you worthy. You just give him your best. You know, you just uh, say, here, this is what I've got, and it's yours. I know it's taped up and broken and whatever else, but here it is. God's going to work with it. God's going to bless you and take care of you always. And so the Bible also makes it clear that honoring and obeying God frees him to bless our lives in ways that he would not do otherwise. Uh, You know, when you read Deuteronomy 28 and uh, the first 14 verses, begin to talk about, here's what, what you're going to have when you keep my commandments. The Lord starts saying, these blessings are going to come on you and overtake you. Fourteen verses talk about how good it's going to be. That's awesome. Man, you're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath, blessed in the field, blessed in the house, you know, blessed with the children, everything. Man, it's just blessing. You, you can't imagine a greater life than doing what God asked you to do, putting God first, But then it spins from verse 15 to verse 68. The rest of the chapter is the trouble you're headed for. (laughs) Now, God's not trying to to say, you know, scare us. He's just in detail letting Israel know, here's how bad things can get when you get me out of the way, when you start going your way, turning to the left or to the right, and looking for other things. It's going to be bad. Verses 15 to 16, the rest of the chapter, man, it's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, I got to read something else. Let me find a psalm right quick or something. I, I got to read greater see this in me or something because that right there, whoo, but it ought to be enough to let you know that God's saying, I'm, I'm going to stay within the confines of my word. I'm not going to operate outside my word, and I'm not going to bless you for doing wrong. If you keep my commandments and serve me, you're going to be blessed. And, man, it's a blessed life. This is what you've got to look forward to if you will serve me and, and keep my word, keep my commandments. You'll be above only, not beneath the head, not that you're going to just be blessed, blessed, blessed. But, oh, turn around and go the other way. And now you can see how terrible things can be. I didn't give you these scriptures, so don't worry about it, Sister Hannah. But thinking, I thought about this right toward the end before I came out. and In Psalm chapter 1, begins to talk about what a blessed man or woman, what their life would be like. And he said, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Uh, A blessed man is going to have some things that are not in his life. You know, we always talk about, you know, and, and we do put God first, but he's starting off letting you know a blessed man is void of these things. And we've got to understand, too, that when we put God first, there's going to be some things that cannot cohabitate with us. There are some things we cannot carry, we cannot have, we cannot fellowship with. We've got to understand that we've got to put God first. And when you put God first, there's no room for these things. They don't work there. So he goes on to say, uh, this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night. When people can see him, And when people can't, 
It's about God. In the light where it's exposed and in the nighttime where it's dark and, and, and nobody can really see what's going on, he's still meditating on the law of the Lord. He doesn't wait to get in the shadows and do his own thing when it's dark. He still puts God first. And so he's, this man is blessed. It says, and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There you go. You're going to be blessed by putting God first and putting his ways first. The ungodly are not so. Now, see, we think ungodly just means the worst, you know, mass murdering, you know, whatever that we could think of. It's just ungodly, the devil worshipers and things like that. You know, it's, that's ungodly. That's, but ungodly is anything that's unlike God. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not having mercy, that's unlike God. Yeah. Not being forgiven, that's, that's like you don't have to murder nobody. Just don't forgive nobody. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of things. So, so I don't want to find myself being ungodly. I want to have love and mercy and compassion and patience and and be long-suffering. I want to uh, treat people with kindness and understanding and, and give them, you know, uh, hope in this world, things like that. Uh, you know, yeah, don't, don't kill nobody either, but, uh, but still, you know, don't just go when it says ungodly. You're thinking of something with, with eight horns and, and fire shooting out of their eyes. It's not that. It's, uh, you know, it can be somebody who's just unkind, hateful, you know, uh, unforgiving, unmerciful, you know, so... I want to be like God. The ungodly, the people that are not like God, they're not like that. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. God has always warned us to be like him, and we're going to be like him when we put him first. He's our example. He's what we follow. He's what we listen to. Uh, we meditate in his law, his word, his ways day and night. The Lord said, I have brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, be ye holy because I am holy. In other words, he said, I want you now to be like me. I took you out of a place where you were slaves, where you were forced to do other things. You, you, you were under a different master, but now I have delivered you. But since I've done that, I don't want you slave to any. I didn't bring you out so you could be slaves to other things. I didn't uh, uh, have that lamb killed and that blood shed so you could serve other things. I didn't bring you through the water and close up your enemies where they would never be seen again so you could just live any other way. Uh, in Joshua, he told him, the, I believe the angel of the Lord told him, said, you know, you go in these lands, you start serving these other gods, he said, they're going to be thorns in your eyes. Now, it hurts bad enough to get pricked with a thorn. I sure don't want to uh, have the pain of having one in my eyeball. Uh, in other words, it could blind you, and you start serving other things, it could blind you to the ways of God and blind you from doing the things that we ought to be doing to be more like him. So I want to make sure that uh, to live this blessed life, I am putting God first. If we were to tell the truth about it, putting God first is the only way to live for, for, for believers because there are no neutral zones in this world or in this universe. Humanity will either honor God and his kingdom by obeying his principles or they will by default Oppose God. In Isaiah, uh, he wrote it like this, Isaiah 45, 20 through 23. He said, Assemble yourselves and come and draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. 
They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. So he's saying people with idols and false gods, they, they have nothing. Tell ye, tell ye, bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. And then he says, let me see, the 20, he says, Look unto me, be ye saved all ends of the earth, for I am God, there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. And so we know that's the same uh, scripture Paul is referring to in Philippians when he said every knee is going to bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you wanted a quick little oneness lesson right there, uh, the God that's speaking in Isaiah is the same God that uh, Paul is talking about when he says every knee is going to bow to Jesus in the New Testament. But the, the principle is this, is that to be blessed, you don't have any other gods before him. That's why, uh, as we said at the beginning, even it started with Egypt, coming out of Egypt, um, that God instituted the Passover uh, so they could remember it foreshadowed the slaying of that spotless lamb of God that would deliver us uh, from our sins and deliver us out of Egypt or the world and, and make a way of escape for us. Uh, we've got, and when we put him first, when we accept the way that God said to do it, we're going to be blessed. Surely, you know, Egypt could have argued. Moses could have said, that seems like a lot. Can't you just open the gate and let us out? Couldn't you just, you're already raining fire. Just go ahead and wipe them out. But God said, I've got a plan for everything. And, and so we... We have to realize, and that's what got Pharaoh in trouble. He could not recognize God as being sovereign. Who is this God? You know, that's, he would ask, and I don't know this God. I don't know your God. And he would not recognize this creator of the universe who had all power. And he thought his gods could deliver. His magicians could work things out. But he found out that the God of Israel is the only God that has all the power. Uh, so some people may object, you know, in this world to giving God priority because, you know, well, you know, God, he owns everything. He don't need anything I got. And, you know, and if God really wants people to be happy, then he, he would just let us do what, he just lets us do what we want to do because that's what makes us happy. And, you know, God wants people to be happy. Man, that's so crazy. Yeah, God wants you to be happy and to be blessed, but he knows that the only way that's going to really happen is by serving him. And it, it should not be difficult for us to just be completely sold out, committed to serving God. You know, somebody posted on Facebook the other day, said, what's the first impression you want people to, to notice when they see you? And I thought, the Lord. I want them to see Jesus. I don't, you know, that's what I want them to see first. You know, there's, you know, different answers going down through there. Oh, you know, my eyes, my smile, my personality, my spirit, whatever. All that ain't nothing without God. That don't, that don't mean nothing. I want them to see the Lord. And I, I, I if somebody says, uh, hey, do you believe in God? I don't want to be like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. Or, you know, I want to speak right up so you know I do. <laughs> You know, uh, you want to go to one of them churches that speaks in tongues? You, you don't? You know, uh, I want to be like, you know, just I'm not going to back down from who I am. I'm not going to 
choke people to death and slap them with it and hold them down and say, you ain't nothing if you ain't exactly like me. Uh, but I am not going to back down from what saved me. Uh, like I, I've said it before. I said, I lived in the world. I said, so all these people that start drifting away from God and letting other things creep in, you come too late to tell me. I said, you're going to the things that God called me out of. I said, so uh, you, you're getting God. He's no longer first in your life. The scripture said in the last day, it wasn't people that didn't just, they didn't love God on some front. It says that they were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So they've got this infatuation with God. They've got some kind of uh, affection toward God, but they love the pleasures of the world more than they love God. Because I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I don't want nobody holding me down. If you think like that about God's word, man, there's some praying needs to go on. You need to search yourself because... Anything that God tells us to do or not to do is for our betterment. It is not so he can just rule us. It is so that we can be blessed. There's some things you let go of. There's some things you bring in, and it's so that you can have the absolute best blessed life. That's what that Psalm 1 is talking about. You stay away from uh, sinful people. You stay away from scornful people. You stay away from people that are unlike God, and you meditate in his law day and night. You love the ways of the Lord. I don't know if I want to be called a fanatic. Why not? You know, I, I don't mind, you know, and, you know, really, we don't hear a whole lot of that today. Really, people just kind of, I mean, they, they may talk about you behind your back, so they're nutty. But, you know, uh, but, you know, just live for God. Live for him. And because, man, the blessings and benefits that come along with it uh, are, you can't put a price on them. And, well, I, you know, if I do that, though, people are not going to ask me to come around anymore. Well, if they won't ask you to come around because you love God, you probably don't need to be around them anyway. And that don't mean every time you see them, you've got to be trying to, uh, give them a Bible study. Sometimes you just need to be a friend to people and then let that door open up. I'm not saying shy away from it, but sometimes you've got to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. You've got to use a little wisdom and realize if I come in here, pap, 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 slapping them with the Bible and, and you know, pouring oil on their head right off the bat, uh, uh, they're never going to ask me back. But if you come in and you just, man, you show them the love of God and you befriend them and you let them know. And as things come on, you let them know, hey, you know, I'm telling you, the door will open for you to give your testimony. How I, there, I once was lost, but now I'm found. You could, it'll open up where you can tell them, you know, things had me, but God set me free. And God, really? And now the door's open. You can tell them, well, this is what happened to me. And if they don't believe it, so what? You know that's what happened to you. Whether they believe it or not, it doesn't change it. You put God first, and you will always come out on top. Because he said you'll be above only. It doesn't matter what comes your way. You will come out on top when you serve God. And the church has got to give it. Listen, you see it all the time. The news is full of it, all the headlines. Christianity, we are the most persecuted religion in the world. Doesn't matter what, I ain't talking about denomination, Christianity. Anybody that believes in Christ. So I don't care if they're Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Episcopalian, whatever they are. Christians are persecuted and killed and villages are burned and churches are torn down and bombed. People are shot. 
and they, they bomb in synagogues, it don't matter if they're Jewish. If you believe in God, and that can filter down to Christianity, they hate you. They are not going to accept you. And so we have got, so it ain't no time to be, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's time to choose this day who you'll serve because uh, I want the full force power of God on my side. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm getting all the blessings and I'm not hanging around the edge. You know, you get under the edge of the umbrella, you're still going to get wet. I want under. I want to be right there, uh, up under. I want to be covered by the blessings of God. So, um, you know, we're going to give God our best. The universe does not revolve around you and I, but it revolves around a merciful, great, and good God who chooses to bless those that acknowledge uh, him being sovereign. God did not ask the Israelites to give their best lamb so he could take advantage of them. He asked for their best because putting God first triggers his blessings. It's just like when you open your arms up, uh, you're, you're, you're ready for to receive. You're ready for a big old hug, you know, whatever. Or like a kid sitting at the table, uh, you know, when you're feeding your kids, you have to feed them. They can't hold that spoon yet. Well, you, you ever have them just shut their mouth and you're just jamming food all over their face? But when they open that mouth, now they can get it because you can't taste nothing when it's all over your cheeks. But you open your mouth, you'll get, whoo, that's good. Strained beets, that's good. You know, that's uh, whatever they eat, you know. That's, that's, but now they can either, they can taste and see that it's good. And we can, when we're open to God and putting him first, we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me tell you, God is a jealous God. And so he, he's not going to share you and I with the world. Love not the world, neither love the things of the world. All those things that are in this world, they are not of the Father. So we cannot do that. We can't have uh, our, you know, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. It don't work that way. You can't walk two roads impossible for you to be on two roads it, it can't happen if you stra uh, you know they say you straddle the line you stay in the middle of the road you get hit by both sides it's, it's you get in your lane and go get in that lane that straight and narrow and go for God Boy, I'm burning time up ain't I and uh, when you read uh, we, I think Brother Green even mentioned this but remember uh, talking about Naaman in the scripture in the book of Kings and uh, how that he was a great man, a great warrior, but uh, he did not serve the God of Israel. But he had a servant, or his wife had a servant, a, a young lady that she, she was from Israel. And he was like, hey, I just, uh, I, I need healing. She said, I know if you go seek this man of God out, seek this prophet out, he can heal you. So they put the parade together, ride up, show up, uh, you know, Elisha doesn't even come out. But he says, here's what you got to do. Go and dip in the Jordan River seven times, and you'll be fine. Well, he doesn't like that. I don't like that. I don't, I, you know, he should have come out here. He should have laid hands on me. He should have made a big spill, fire from heaven, whatever, and, and cleared up this stuff. Uh, this is what he should have done. You know, it, it's always easy for us to think what should happen. Uh, but... Finally, of course, somebody talks a little sense into him, so he's like, okay, so he goes and he dips, and when he's done with that seventh time, his flesh is like the flesh of a newborn. I mean, it's, it's completely healed. He's, and you know why that happened? It wasn't, it, was it the water? It, it was it uh, Elisha? 
It was obedience to the word of God. God said, this is how it's going to be done. Naaman, you tired of leprosy? You know, you don't want your nose to fall off? Then go dip in that Jordan River seven times. I don't want to do it. Isn't it amazing that the answer was given and he's got a life-threatening disease, disfiguring disease, and still, I'm not doing that. Going to go home mad, still sick. And isn't it amazing how people would just, when God says something in his word or when it's shown to them in the word, this is what it takes for this to be. I'm not doing that. Just like that rich young ruler. What do I have to do to have eternal life? Well, you know the commandments. I've kept them from my birth. One thing you lack, sell everything you've got, distribute it to the poor, take up the cross and follow me. He went away sad because he had great possessions. Uh, surely he could have just let, you know, told me the, something, anything besides that. And so he was so confident in his own accomplishments, what he had done, and he just could not take that one thing. One thing, you just, you just one step away from having what you need but there's something greater. You've put something else in front of what God wants. And so now he walked away, and he, the Lord said, well, it's going to be very hard, or how hardly shall those with great riches be saved. It would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for those rich people to be saved or those that trust in riches to be saved. We want, that human nature is going to want it our way. Yeah. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Oh, it seems right to us. In a couple other places, Matthew or Proverbs 21 and 2 says that every way of a man uh, is right in his own eyes. But then in Proverbs 12 and 15, it looks similar, but there's one word. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You know what the Bible says about a fool? The fool has said in his heart there is no God. And if he said there's no God, he's saying there's no word of God. There's no commandment. There's nothing I have to walk by. I can go by my... So the ways of a fool or someone who just thinks there is no God, it's right in his own eyes. When we start straying from the word of God, we start finding ourselves in the company of fools. Because a fool will not acknowledge God's word. I do not want to, you know, one man in the scripture said, uh, did Abner die as a fool? He didn't have to die, but he did. I do not want to die as a fool, not when I don't have to. The Lord told Israel, said, for why will you die? He was trying to tell them, choose life, uh, repent, turn from your ways. Why would you die? You've got a God that loves you, that takes care of you. Why would you die? Why do people... Why when the answer's there? Why live beneath your privilege when the answer's there? Live for God. Serve God. Put him first in everything that you do. Just like the opening scripture said, honor God with all your substance. Everything I've got, God, is yours. My life, my home. You know, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve. You know what? That house included anything that has to do with me, we're going to serve you. We're going to give you the best of our flocks, the best of our fields. We're going to train our kids up to love you. We're going to, my wife and I, we're going to love you. We're going to give you everything. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's going to be first in everything. And Joshua knew that's the way to be blessed. 
And that's the way we're going to be blessed is when we put God first. Make sure that he is number one. Number one. So God created this universe. He created everything in it, brought it into existence, created man in his own image, and he designed it around his kingship. The Bible is God's way of explaining how everything was designed to work. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you want to know how to live blessed in this life, you won't find it outside of here. You can have money, education, riches, friends, all kind of popularity, fame, power. All those things can come without this book. Man can accomplish that on his own. But he cannot have the blessings of God without this book. And he cannot get to heaven without this book. And he will not live forever without this book. And he will not get rid of sin without this book. You cannot be saved outside of this book. You've got to have that book. And that's what God uh, gave us, every word. that proceeds. You won't live by bread alone. Man can bake bread. And he ought, he's going to have to. He's got to eat. But even God provided those things. So, but he said, it's not just going to be the physical things that you can hold and touch and taste. It's going to be living for him, the word of God, the principles of God, the, the mind of God, the ways of God. It's all over the scripture, have the mind of Christ, grow in grace and knowledge of him and, and, and learn his ways. And, and yeah, I know his ways are higher than our ways. That doesn't mean we don't strive to know more about him. Paul said, I hadn't yet attained, but I'm reaching forth. I'm still reaching for. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I, just because I don't understand this infinite God doesn't mean I'm going to quit searching for him and seeking for him because he's not unknowable. We can know God. If he lives inside of you, you can know God. When he speaks to you and, and tells you, walk, here's the way, walk in it, you can know God. And so we can know him and we can be, and I'm, God's not going to lead you to a path of destruction. He's going to lead you to a way to be blessed <clears throat> in this world. And so to recognize God as king is not burdensome. It is honest. To obey God is to operate life according to the manufacturer's guideline. In other words, obedience equals a blessed life. In Isaiah 1 and 19, he said, If we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. Obedient to what? To the laws of the land? To the... You know, to what man teaches us, to philosophy and vain deceit, or when we're willing to listen to God because the previous scriptures, God's talking about, let's have a conversation. Come, let us reason together. And so once you take what God says, and if you're willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. You're going to be blessed because you have decided, I'm going to go God's way. Samuel, uh, you know, Saul learned a very hard lesson uh, right before he lost his the kingdom was ripped from, from him when he was supposed to go and destroy everything that the Amalekites had. Nothing. No animals live. People don't live. Wipe them out completely. But when they come back from the battle, the people had kept all the best of the spoil. They kept the king alive. And when Samuel shows up, uh, Saul's like, hey, I have performed the word of the Lord. He said, then how come I hear all these animals carrying on? Oh, well, the people kept the best so we could sacrifice to God. The lesson was, uh, and you know, Samuel says, well, Saul, does the Lord delight more in obedience or sacrifice? For to obey is better than sacrifice. 
And so, you know, and Samuel wasn't even going to turn around and worship with him. He was walking off, and, and Saul grabbed his mantle, ripped, and he said, he turned around and told him, he said, God's rent the kingdom from your hand and give it to someone, to your brother, giving it to somebody else, and that's better than you. And, man, if he had done what God said, just kill everything, man. That's what he said to do. Well, in my mind, it's a shame. This is a really nice-looking prize bull. I think we ought to save it and take it on down here, and, and we could sacrifice it to the Lord, and he'll be pleased. Oh, God is more pleased when you do what he said to do. And so when we say, well, uh, I, I can do it like this because this won't be... Do it the way that God said to do it, and it'll work every time. When you disobey him, you, you, you say, well, I'm making a great sacrifice, but God didn't ask for that sacrifice. <laughs> and so you're, you're offering up a sacrifice that he won't accept. Uh, we've got to seek first. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6 and 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. The things that you need in this life, the things that uh, you need to survive. He said, yeah, you could, you could have them. You can start looking for things. You can be like the Gentiles and, and crave after them and work and make, make yourself a slave trying to obtain them. Or you can seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and then these things will be added to you. God will make sure the door is open for the things that you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. God will take care of his people. If he would feed a nation uh, you know, in the wilderness with manna and quail, he'll take care of his people today. He'll make sure that you have what you need. God will take care of you. I'm not saying you're going to hit the lottery or be a millionaire. God knows how hard it is for you to be saved like that. But he's saying if you'll put me first and you'll honor me first and you, you'll always have what you need, you, you won't be out on the street, you won't be doing without I'm running close to time, honey. Come on to the music. I'm, I'm going to rush through this last part. So putting God first will bless our lives. You know, it's just like, you know, you've been outside, especially a kid. They've been outside playing. You don't know where they've been, what they've been touching or holding or handling. I mean, I used to carry, you know, I, I carried a dead goldfish around in my pocket one time. And, uh, yeah, you know, so you can call them in for lunch. And what's the first thing a mom and dad said? Go wash your hands. The kid's like, that's, it isn't funny that just the 45 seconds it would take to wash your hands and come back out seems like an eternity between you and that peanut butter sandwich. You're like, but whatever is on your hands that will make you sick or kill you uh, is now washed down the drain and you can go eat and you're going to be all right. You know, it's going to, it's going to be a blessing to you. And it's the same thing. Uh, you know, when you do what God wants you to do, sometimes we can't maybe see the point right off the bat, but you're going to realize later uh, it's a better quality of life living by the Word of God. And so putting God first is important to our success that God established uh, these for Israel. You know, those days he established those feast days and different things so people could remember uh, about God's greatness and his goodness to them and and even Jesus said in keeping the Lord's Supper, you know, this do in remembrance of me. What do we do? We remember the body and the blood and, and the life that it provides for us. You know, not just 
uh, empty sacrifice, like, okay, let's have that, let's have that, and let's go on our way. But you remember, everything I have in this life uh, for us, it started with that sacrifice. Israel's new life started with the Passover, and ours starts with that Passover, that Lamb of God, that blood that was shed, and that body that was broken. That, that's, that was for us. And so I want to make sure that I am putting God first in everything that I do. Putting God first, you can stand with me, will put us in the flow of his blessings. So again, our opening scripture, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruit of all thine increase. He said, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. There's an abundance coming to you because you have honored God first. He wants to fill our barns, but that only comes as a result of us honoring him. When we give, it shall be given back. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give to who? Give to God. The prophet uh, told the, the lady, uh, the, the widow woman that had her kids, she said, uh, well, we're about to make a cake and we're going to eat this and we're going to die. And he said, I hear what you're saying, but make something for me first and then you and your son will eat. For God has said that that barrel of meal is not going to fail, that oil's not going to fail. It's going to take care of you. We're going to be fine. So she trusted what God's word said, and they ate every day until the famine was over with. It kept them through the famine because she was such a sweet woman, because it was a little boy, because it was obedience. And they put God first. And when they put God first, everything else fell in place. And so if we want to be blessed today, we've got to put God first. That's how you live the blessed life. That's how you become like that tree planted by the rivers of water when you put God first. Let's lift our hands and pray together as we close out. Lord, thank you for your word and the promises that it gives. I thank you, Lord, for making a way for us to serve you in sincerity and truth, Lord. And we want to do our best to live for you, God. We don't want any obstacles, any weights, any sin, any stumbling blocks in our way. But Lord, we want to put you first. Lord, I pray that we would strive every day to be better. I know we haven't made it yet. I know we're not complete or perfect yet. But Lord, every day, let us meditate in your word. In the day, in the night, Lord, let us do what is pleasing in your sight. Let us put you first in all things with all of our substance so we can be ready to meet you, Lord, when you come, so we can be a light shining in this world. We ask it today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can promise you, living for the Lord is the best life going. Sometimes things come and go when you live for the Lord, but anything that comes... Or anything that goes, God knows about it. And you're still here. Sometimes we think, man, this is the hardest thing ever. And that's, you know, what's part of that blessed life? God will keep you. That the storms will blow and the winds will blow and the rains will beat down on you, but you're still here. They that trust in the Lord, Scripture said, will be like Mount Zion that abides forever. If you want to stick this life out, Keep living for God. Keep putting him first. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the 12 o'clock service. Looking for God to do some great things. God bless you this morning.